What's up, Trace? Uh, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, I don't know if this is your first time here. Maybe a friend invited you, or maybe you saw our street signs, or maybe uh, you've been watching us online and you finally decided to join us here in person. Uh, if that's you this morning, I just want to tell you welcome. Uh, we're so glad that you decided to join us this morning, but for the rest of you, welcome back. Uh, you guys look pretty good. It's good to see you guys again, but we've been in this series right here called Killing What's Killing Me where we take a look at some of the negative areas in our lives that can have a negative effect on our lives. Because we all know there's things that we experience, whether it's uh, different habits that we have or behaviors that we uh, engage in, that can bring death to the life that we're trying to live. And that's part of the vision behind this series. Like we're not trying to do behavior modification where it's just like do all the right things and don't do the bad things in order that you can somehow work your way to God, uh, because you can't or in order that you may receive more love from God, because, once again, you can't. Um, part of this series is about freedom, that we want you to experience freedom from the things in your life that bring you death, in order that you can live the life uh, that God has intended you to live. And that's exactly Paul's point in Romans chapter 8, when he says this, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation, no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. That's not a threat. That's a promise. That if you choose to live by sin, the end goal, the end game is death. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, if you kill what's killing you in your life, you will live. And so guys, you have no obligation to live according to sin. You have an opportunity to experience freedom from sin in your life through a guy named Jesus. But we can't be passive about it. We have to be active about killing the things that are killing us. An old theologian named John Owens, he says it like this, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Not for salvation's sake, but for freedom's sake. And I don't know about you. Uh, and I wasn't paid to say this, okay? I don't know about you, but this series has been incredibly beneficial to my life personally. And I would encourage you that if you miss the sermon on technology or you miss the sermon on, on killing, uh, crashing the chatterbox in your life, the thing that tells you that you're never good enough, I would encourage you that you go back and you take a listen to those things because I think they can be of extreme benefit to your life. Like I said, I wasn't paid to say that. That's me personally telling you that this could really benefit your life. However, today we're going to be looking at a little bit different of a topic, one that I think is a little bit more apparent in our lives, one that I think we've all struggled with at one point or another, and it's this word right here, comparison. Comparison. Because comparison, you have to understand, comparison is only noting the similarities or differences between two things. Like, that's all it is. But I'm sure you guys would agree with me that comparison can have a negative effect on our lives. And so for a minute, I just want to take you back. Go back to the very first time in your life that you remember experiencing comparison. Uh, maybe for you, it was one of the first days of school, and you walked into school, and all your friends had on new clothes. They had just went to JCPenney's or Macy's with their family, bought new clothes, and you walk in strutting in like a brand new seven-year-old hand-me-down uh, that your brother or your sister had given you. And in that moment, you compare what they're wearing to what you're wearing, and you experience comparison. Or maybe for you, it was the first time that you played sports. It was also probably the first time you realized that you're probably not going to be a professional at playing sports. But, but that other kid on your team, they might be. They might be. And so you start to compare your ability to their ability, and you experience comparison. 
or maybe for you as a Christmas or birthday and you're opening all your gifts and you're hoping you get that one thing and sure enough, you open that gift and you get that toy. And if this is the toy you've been begging for, this is the toy you've been bugging your parents about and you got it and you are pumped. You are so excited and you love this toy for like a week and then that kid down the street gets something better than you and it's bigger, and it has more features, and it makes yours obsolete, and you were happy with what you had. You really were, until you saw what they had, and you experience comparison in your life, and I don't know what that time looks like for you, what that season, that story looks like for you, but I know this, that we are creatures of comparison. We love comparison. It's everywhere in our lives. It's at work, it's at home, it's especially at school. Our environments are flooded with this thing called comparison. And I believe recently uh, we experienced one of the biggest comparisons our world has ever known. And I know you know what I'm talking about. It was like a month ago, but it was the comparison of Chick-fil-A <laughs> to Popeye's, right? Where Popeye's, they came after one of our own. You know, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Lord's chicken here. They came after us. That Popeye's had allegedly created, and accidentally I'll add, a sandwich said not only to uh, compete with the original chicken sandwich, but to outrank the original chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. And what's crazy is within a week, Popeye's was selling over a thousand sandwiches from every single one of their locations a day, and then their sales spiked by 30%. Those are crazy numbers. And with comparison fueling their success, they decided to kind of revel in their success, and they released this tweet, y'all good, pointed at, like I said, one of our own, Chick-fil-A, and the internet exploded, like Twitter went crazy with this, people comparing the two sandwiches, taking videos, those were trending, and hear this, this is crazy, they received, Popeye's received $65 million worth of free advertising because of this tweet right here, $65 million of free marketing. And as uh, the popularity of the sandwich went up, sadly Popeye's supply started to go down, they started to run out. And this is kind of where things got a little bit personal. Uh, Chick-fil-A released this, FYI, we don't run out of chicken sandwiches. <laughs> so I'm like, that's pretty good. Popeye's retaliated with this, FYI, people need to eat on Sundays, which is... <laughs> It's great, but my favorite one comes from Arby's, and Arby's is like the little kid brother who never got included, and they wanted to be included, and so they said, we have chicken sandwiches too, but Wendy's commented, no one gives a crap. <laughs> I love that. I think that's great. But in the end, in the end, Popeye's completely ran out of sandwiches within three weeks. All it took was three weeks, and while it was short-lived, uh, this chicken frenzy, it made national news. It was trending on all social media platforms, and it created a huge buzz here in America. And what I want you to notice is that it was all started and all fueled by this word right here, comparison. Guys, we love comparison. We are creatures of comparison. And I know that this is kind of a funny example, kind of a silly example, but the truth is, sometimes comparison is not so funny. Uh, sometimes it's not chicken sandwiches. Sometimes it's a whole lot more personal to our lives. And so I'd ask you the question, where do you find yourself struggling with comparison the most? Is there an area in your life that you, you find yourself struggling with comparison? Like maybe it's your job. 
and you're constantly comparing yourself to the people that you work with or the people that are surrounding you. Or maybe it's your house that no matter how many renovations that you complete, Chip and Joanna Gaines, they always find something that's better than what you just finished, and you find yourself comparing, comparing uh, your house to theirs. Or maybe it's the way you look, and you say things like, man, I wish I, wish I was thinner, or, or I wish I was taller, or maybe you're like me, and you're like, man, I wish I had biceps like Aaron Pennington, and <laughs> no, just me, I'm just kidding, uh, but maybe someday, but... The truth is, we all struggle with comparison. We all struggle with comparison to some degree or another. And what I would say is, if you want to kill this thing that's slowly killing you, if you really want to experience life and freedom from comparison, it's going to take us looking at two questions this morning. And the first one is this, where does comparison come from? And then second, where does comparison lead? And so let's take a moment and look at that first question. Where does comparison come from. You see, here in America, we struggle with something that for today's purpose, I'll call this a mindset of scarcity. And a mindset of scarcity says that either I never have enough or I always need more. And over the course of the last couple of weeks, I came across this picture that I think does a, a really good job of explaining this. You have six pictures. Each person is looking to the next, wishing they had something more, ending with this boy who's unable to walk, looking at a guy who can walk saying, man, it must be nice must be nice. And guys, this represents a mindset of scarcity perfectly. Because a mindset of scarcity is always looking to the next best thing. It's always looking for how we can better our lives, looking for things that we think we need in our lives. Uh, for me personally, this looks like cars. Um, I drive a white Nissan Pathfinder, and nothing is wrong with this car. Like, this car works perfectly fine. I've driven it for a long time. It's been a great car. However, the nickname of this car that we have, or that has been placed on it, bestowed on it, is the white girl wagon, okay? And that is because my wife drove this car in college, and uh, she had it at the time, and yes, she's a white girl, and so is the white girl wagon. And it's perfectly fine when she's driving this car. Okay, because like I said, she's a white girl. She can drive the white girl wagon. But when I'm driving this car and somebody calls it that, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be driving this. And of course, at that moment, like a Toyota Tacoma drives by and I'm like, I want that. <laughs> like, I want to be driving something like that, like, like a man, like a truck. And the problem is, like, I don't even need that car. My car works perfectly fine. But I engage in this mindset of scarcity that tells me I don't have enough or that I always need more. And the problem with this is like, you could look at that picture, and the frustrating thing about that picture is that if any one of those people were to just simply turn their head and look the other way, they would see how good they really have it. And I think it's because of this. When you surround yourself with those that are in need, it often exposes the areas that you're not. When you're surrounded by people who actually have real legitimate needs, it shows you the areas that you don't have legitimate needs. And guys, by and large here in America, we're not surrounded by need. And I'm not trying to minimize anything that, the, that anybody in here is going through. That's not my goal. But the truth is most of us in, in this room, like we have a roof over our heads. We have food on the table. We have clothes on our back. And this lack of scarcity, this lack of need produces what we think are false needs in our lives, driving us towards scarcity. And the reason this is so dangerous is because a mindset of scarcity will eventually lead us to comparison. 
And repeated comparison makes us want to live a different lifestyle, live in a land that I'll call Ur. You know, we want the bigger house. We want the faster car. We want the better job. Only then will we be okay. But you guys know this. Like, that only lasts so long. Because eventually we want to move to the land of Est, where we have the best job, where we drive the fastest car, where we have the biggest house. Only then will we be content. But it never ends. And it becomes this cycle of comparison where comparison starts sending us chasing after things that we may never achieve. Uh, Solomon, he puts it this way in Ecclesiastes. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy. Envy is a comparison word because they compare themselves to their neighbors. But this too is meaningless. Like chasing after the wind. Guys, like chasing after the wind. You ever tried to do that? It's incredibly frustrating. Like, Like you can't catch it. Yet now more than ever, this comparison trap This comparison cycle has become easier and easier to become a part of. And I would say a majority of that can be pointed back to one thing. And that thing is social media. That now more than ever, it's easier to engage in comparison. Because social media gives us instant access into other people's lives. However, I wouldn't say an all-exclusive or uh, all-access pass. Because we get to see what's going on in other people's lives, but we don't get to see everything. And so we wind up comparing the worst parts about ourselves to the best parts of other people. Like, have you ever been just having a great day? Like, just an amazing day. It could have been a great week. And then all of a sudden, you pull out your phone and you check social media, and it's ruined. Like, you could be on vacation to Destin, Florida, or you could have just gotten back, but you could literally be on your vacation to Destin, Florida. You're having a great time. You're relaxed, and so you pull out your phone, and you open social media, and you're like, oh, this is great, and you open it up, and you find out that, like, your best friends, they just made it to Hawaii, and, like, they're climbing volcanoes. They're swimming with sharks. They've just made a mansion out of sand that you can walk through. And it makes this sand castle that you just spent two hours building with your kids look more like a pile of crap than it actually does look like a castle. And so you get mad and you actually start yelling at your kids. You're like, this isn't your best. Come on, make a post-worthy castle. Like we can't put this on social media. What are you doing? And you start scrolling and you're looking for volcanoes near Destin, but there aren't any, but you're convinced that that's what you need. And something good is made bad because you are okay, you are happy with what you had until you saw what they had. Or maybe for the parents in the room, like your son Billy, he comes home. Billy got a B plus on a test that he studied really hard for. And you are so proud of Billy, and you're like, man, this is, this is a great thing. Let's celebrate Billy, because let's be honest, like Billy doesn't usually make B pluses, and he doesn't usually do a great job, but you're so excited for Billy, and you're like, I don't want to just put this test on the fridge. I want to I show the world, and so, you know, you pull out your phone, and you open social media, and sure enough, Jamie just made a post about her kids, and like, they're over in Africa digging wells and stopping world hunger and curing cancer all in the same weekend, and you're like, I can't put a B plus on here. And you're like, Billy got in trouble last night, so we probably won't post that. And uh, he probably could have studied harder. And a B plus really isn't that great. And you start, you know, you start comparing yourself and questioning your ability as a parent. And so what do you do? You're like, I don't even like Jamie. I don't even like Jamie's kids. But what do you do? You know, you like it because it's the polite thing to do. And then you close your phone and you throw it across the room. And you're frustrated. 
And something good is made bad because of comparison. Because you were happy with what you had. You were excited about what you had until you saw what they had. Pastor Craig Rochelle, he says it like this, the fastest way to kill something special in your life. Guys, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. And the number one fastest way that this happens today is through our instant access to social media. And this kind of thing, it can crush the soul. When we start comparing our lives to the lives of other people, we can suffer from it. And this is exactly what's happening in the church in Corinth when Paul writes to them, warning of them of this kind of comparison. Because he knows that this kind of comparison leads to division, and he's very pointed. He kind of makes fun of them. He says, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. That's what social media does. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. And he says, how ignorant. How ignorant. And guys, Paul is so pointed because he knows where this kind of comparison will lead. And if we're not careful, this mindset of scarcity that we can have, this easy, instant access to comparison through social media, it'll lead us to the same place. And guys, if you want to kill comparison in your life, if you want to find freedom from it, it's important to know where comparison comes from. But it's also important to know where comparison leads. And so let's look at that next. Where does comparison lead. And as we do that, I just want to build this real quick so we see it from the right angle. You have to understand that not all comparison is bad. I don't know if you've heard that before, but not all comparison is bad. Because there's a kind of comparison that produces good results in our lives. And the main way we see this is if you have a mentor or a role model or someone that you look up to that you want to model your life after. So you compare your life to them and it creates motivation in order for you to get where they are. This is exactly the kind of comparison Jesus uses when he says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. He says, compare your love to mine and make sure that it's equal. Guys, that's good comparison. And this is actually the kind of comparison I think that will help you the most in your pursuit of Jesus. But where comparison goes bad is when we choose to compare our lives to other people to figure out who we are, or where we fit into this world, or perhaps the worst yet, when we look to comparison as our source of purpose. Guys, this is the kind of comparison that is killing us from the inside out. This is the kind of comparison we want you all to experience freedom from. So where does this kind of comparison lead? Ultimately, I would say it leads to one of two places, maybe both. But comparison either brings us down, or it brings others down. Or sometimes, like I said, both. And if I can be transparent with you for a moment, I would tell you that when I was in college, I really struggled with comparison. And not to say that I've arrived by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a whole lot worse then. And it wasn't so much that I compared myself to the people I was going to school with as much as it was uh, my own family. Uh, specifically my brothers. I grew up with three brothers, and they're all extremely capable, confident, competent people. And while I was in college, there was a specific week, it all happened kind of in this same week, where I, because of a lack of clear purpose in my life, began comparing uh, my career, or really my lack of career, to that of my brothers. And as I began to do this, I realized that I don't measure up, like at all. 
You see, my oldest brother, he had started a college ministry in Kentucky that went from that of tens to that of hundreds within a couple of years. My next brother, Jess, he had just graduated from West Point, had passed ranger school, and was setting records in the army and rising the ranks very, very quickly. To make it worse, my little brother, my younger brother, the baby, the one who I'm always supposed to be better than, okay? Like, he, he was his high school's quarterback. He was top 10 in a class of 600, incredibly smart. And to make matters worse, like, he had just passed me height-wise, okay? So I was feeling like at an all-time low. And so there I was in, in my dorm room, sitting in a pile of unfolded laundry, uh, wondering, you know, if I should eat ramen noodles, pizza rolls, or bagel bites for dinner, but wondering... Maybe God had put me in the wrong family. And comparison quickly turned to envy in my life and quickly became unhealthy because I didn't have the abilities that my brother did, my brothers did. And I began to avoid conversations with my parents talking about my brother's achievements. I even started to bring my brothers down to minimize the success that they were having because if I couldn't be on their level, I'm going to bring them down to my level with some hateful speech and some mean words, just so I could feel better. And guys, for a season, it crippled me. I sat there and I would think, man, I'm never going to be enough. My mind, my faith, my life, my leadership, everything remained still, stagnant. And I learned a very important truth, and that is this. Comparison cripples your capacity. Comparison cripples capacity. That me comparing myself to my brothers didn't actually move me any further in life. And it was at this point that I thought, you know, maybe I should go talk to somebody about this. Because this is eating me alive from the inside out. And it's starting to become a problem in my life. And so I went and I talked to my parents. Because you can't hide and heal at the same time. And the conversation with my parents, they, were, they basically suggested I go talk to my brothers about it. And I was like, that's a dumb idea. But I did it. And guys, what I found was not what I expected because I did have conversations with my brothers and they didn't go how I thought they would because my brothers, they didn't tell me they were sorry. They didn't show me pity. They didn't show me sympathy. Instead, I found something I didn't expect and it was empathy because I went to every single one of my brothers and I told them how I was feeling. I was saying, you know, I've struggled with comparing myself to you and I don't feel like I measure up to the things that you guys are doing and every conversation went exactly the same. I was met with surprise that that I was comparing myself to my brothers. But immediately after that, they confessed that they too did the exact same thing with every single one of us. That we all suffered from this little brother syndrome mentality. That we could never live our lives in a way that would measure up to the reputations of the rest of my brothers. And guys, what was sad about that is this was the first time that we had ever talked about it. And what was also sad to me was in these moments of comparison, we were trying to figure out who we were, where we belonged, and what our purpose was by comparing ourselves to each other. And you know where it led us? It led us to bring ourselves down or to bring each other down. And I learned a lesson that day that I'm still being reminded of. And this is what I want you to walk away with today. This is what I want you to write down or post on social media. It's this right here. Comparison never leads to contentment. Guys, comparison never leads to contentment. And if you're looking for freedom from the comparison that plagues your life, if you're looking to kill that which is killing you today, then you're going to have to learn 
contentment. Because contentment is not the opposite of comparison. Contentment is what I believe God has given us to combat the comparison in our life. Because let's be real, most of us are going to stand up after today, and we're going to walk out those doors, and we're not going to change. We're going to compare ourselves to others, myself included. Because this isn't a switch that gets flipped. This is a battle that we have to continue to fight every single day. Like, I would be impressed if that happened, but it's probably not going to happen. And so my hope today is that after explaining to you where comparison comes from and explaining to you where comparison leads, my hope is that you have a desire in your life to uproot comparison from your life and throw it as far away from you as possible. And if I can help you fight that battle with anything in me, I would give you this word right here, contentment. Contentment. And so real fast, let's break that down a bit. Because for each and every one of us, there are what I would say three main areas that we struggle with contentment or struggle with comparison, and they're these right here. Who I am, where I am, and what I have. Who I am, where I am, and what I have. That each of us have a tendency to look at those three areas specifically in our lives and see where we don't measure up and define discontentment. And that discontentment drives us to comparison. Because for most of us, our life looks something like this. Over here, you have your life as it is now. Everything about you that's true now in your life. So who you are now, where you are now, what you currently have. This is the job that you currently work. This is the vacations you currently go on, the house you live in, the, you know, the car you drive, all of that. Over here is what could be. This is your life as it could be. Who you could be. Where you could be. What you could have. The places in your life that you dream, that you aspire to be like. You know, this is the car that you're saving up for, the dream vacation you wish to go on, the promotion that you've been chasing. That is life as it could be. In all of our lives, they look something like this. And I say this to you because this is a picture of contentment. Contentment is not just sitting over here. It is not saying in your life, I'm good where I'm at. You know, everything that, that I have is perfect right now. I'm never going to dream. I'm never going to aspire. I'm just going to sit over here. I would say it like this. Contentment is not complacency. It's not complacency. It's not just staying still. It's not just settling for what we have. Because contentment also includes over here. But it's not just over here either. It's not just always looking to how things could be better, always looking to where we could improve the things that we could have someday because that eventually leads to a mindset of scarcity where we have these false needs in our lives and that pushes us to comparison. And comparison never leads to contentment. And so why do I say all of this? Is because this thing right here, uh, this, this chart, or really, over here is complacency, over there is comparison. Complacency says, I'm good where I'm at. I never need to grow. Comparison says, I never have enough. I will always need more. But contentment, contentment says whether I'm here or whether I'm here or whether I'm here or here or way the heck over there, wherever I'm at, who I am, where I am, what I have is enough. That's enough. And this is exactly what Paul learns when he writes to a church in Philippi talking about this kind of contentment. He says this, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have 
whether I'm over here or over there, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whatever it is, with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or with little. And this is a, a quote that often gets misquoted. For I can do everything, and this word everything means all of this, that I can have a lot, that I can have a little, that I can point back to all of this in my life, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Guys, Paul understood that who he was, that where he was, that what he had was enough. And so the last thing I want to do today is I just want to give you this one question to make it as incredibly practical as possible. And that question is this, is it enough? Is it enough? Like put that question on your mirror. Save it as your screensaver. Tape it to your credit card. Is it enough? When it comes to your life, when it comes to who you are, when it comes to where you are, when it comes to what you have, is it enough? Learn to ask this question of yourself all of the time. When you walk into work, is it enough? When you see yourself in the mirror, is it enough? When you start to engage in comparison, guys, is it enough? Guys, if you want to kill the comparison in your life that is slowly eating away at your soul, or if you want to live in this kind of freedom, you're going to have to combat it with contentment. And I truly believe that if we can learn to ask ourselves this question at every opportunity that we have, that we can find some level of contentment with who we are, with where we are, and what we have. Because guys, comparison never leads to contentment. But we can use contentment to battle the comparison in our lives. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for today. God, thank you for uh, letting us know uh, that for you, we are enough. God, I pray that you help us. God, we, we're bad at this. We love to engage in comparison. And so God, I ask that you give us strength to combat this in our lives. Help us to see the areas that it is enough that, God, we can have contentment and truly uproot comparison from our lives. God, we're grateful for you and your son. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and transition into a time of response. And what I didn't say is this, that contentment only comes from Christ. Guys, contentment only comes from Christ. And for some of us in this room, like we have experienced the discontentment of our lives without Jesus. And if that's something you want to talk about, if you want to live a life in freedom from comparison, if you want to live a life full of contentment, guys, I would love to have that conversation with you. And so I'm going to be right over there, and I'd love to talk to you about what that could look like for you. However, for many of us in this room, we have chosen Jesus. We have made that decision to follow him. And so all around the room, you'll find four crosses. And at these stations, you can take a cracker and dip it in some juice uh, as a symbol to represent and remember what Jesus has done for us. That because of what Jesus does, we are enough. And so I'd encourage you, if that's how you need to respond, then to take that time to do that in a second. For others of you, you realize how big of a comparison, how big of a deal comparison is in your life. And for some of you, you'd like prayer for that. Or maybe just prayer for other things that are going on in your life that you're tired of doing this thing alone. And if you, that's you this morning, we have prayer stations in the back. 
where you can either write down a prayer that we will pray over, or you can uh, talk to somebody that's back there, and they would love to pray with you because we want to help you live in that freedom. And maybe that's what you need to do. Or maybe for you, this just needs to be a thin space between you and God where you can have a real conversation, you can have a real look at your life and ask that question, is it enough? When it comes to who I am, when it comes to where I am, when it comes to what I have, is it enough? And my challenge to you is that if you come up short every time, I would guess that it's because you haven't allowed Christ to enter into that. And so maybe you need to have a conversation with him about what that could look like. I don't know how you need to respond, but I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we can respond however we need to. God, thank you for today. Uh, God, I pray that we would recognize all that you have done for us. That God, without your son, we aren't enough because we've sinned, because we've fallen short. God, we're deserving of death. We're deserving of hell. But because of your son, God, we have an opportunity to stand before you and hear those words that you are enough. But God, that's only because of Jesus. So I don't know how these people in this room need to respond, but however it is, God, I ask that you give them the courage to do so. God, that this would be a thin space where they get to hear from you. God, however you need to speak to us, we're listening. And we're so grateful for Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.